www.wavenetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Good afternoon, and welcome to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Over the next hour, you'll learn how to see your true self in the midst of life's twists and turns. You'll be challenged to think outside of the box when it comes to the mysteries of life. Now, here's your host, Andrea Matthews. Good afternoon, and welcome to the Authentic Living Show. You know, we talk about oneness a lot. There's a lot of Facebooking and LinkedIn information out there about oneness, even people that are not so new age, new thought, where that those ideas have not sort of pervaded. There's mention from time to time, even on the media, about this idea that we're all one. But how do we bring oneness into everyday living experience? Well, our guest today has come to tell us how to do just that. She is Charlene Proctor, Ph.D., an ordained minister of spiritual peacemaking and a Diksha facilitator trained by the Oneness Guides from Fiji and India. She's the best-selling author of three books, including Let Your Goddess Grow, Seven Spiritual Lessons on Female Power and Positive Thinking, The Woman's Book of Empowerment, 323 Affirmations that Change Everyday Problems into Moments of Potential, and the topics of today's show, the Oneness Gospel, Birthing the Christ Consciousness and Divine Human in You. Charlene is comfortable bridging the gaps between all of the various world religions, so it doesn't matter what your flavor is. If you'd like to know more about how to embrace oneness in your daily experience, stay with us today. Charlene, welcome to the Authentic Living Show. I'm glad you're here and so glad to get to talk to you about this wonderful book. Thanks for having me. I'm so happy to be here. Well, I really, really enjoyed your book. It, it is a wonderful read, and it, it says so much that has to do with uh, the merging of the various uh, Eastern and Western philosophies about what is true and false uh, about God and heaven and life on planet Earth. And uh, so I really enjoyed it, and I would, really, it would encourage our listening audience to go and purchase the book and, and uh, read it because it's a very, very good read. So thank you for your work on that book for all of us. Well, thanks. It was, um, um, as any book is, labor of love. It took me a couple years to write it, actually, because of the travel and, uh, you know, doing the research and, and obviously a piece like this requires an awful lot of reflection. Yeah, <laughs> Which absolutely. is kind of, uh, where most of the spiritual and self-help authors, the good ones anyway, um, need to be. Uh, cause I think that, our own experiences in life, our own challenges provide such a vast amount of rich and robust teachings that it's it's kind of hard for us to hold back and not share it with people. <laughs> yeah, yeah, if, at least the teachings, if not the events themselves, absolutely. absolutely. Or just the events are challenging, I'm telling you. Yeah. Relationships, that's what's on my mind the last couple of weeks, how challenging they are and... Uh, how we continue to learn from each other in, in ways that surprise us and uh, challenge us, you know, to look within and draw upon our inner wisdom and our authenticity and all those things. And I, for sure, am not exempt from all of the things that everybody else is going through. Um, so, yeah, I, uh, I enjoyed writing the book. I enjoyed it very much. Well, I'm glad you did. 
I want to talk to you a little bit about some of the terminology you use first in the book before we go any further so we can be sure that we're all on the same page with that. You, you I, and I really like the word, the way you use the word kingdom in your book because that word has been largely seen as a Western term, term used in, in Christianity only. But you use it in a much broader sense, I think. So can you tell, uh, tell us what is the kingdom in your, in your own words? The kingdom of heaven is what is inside you. Um, do you have a place in the book maybe that you've referenced? Uh, because it's uh, there's pretty big. Several, <laughs> yeah, there's several places. I just kind of want a general overview. That, there's several places where you use the word kingdom, how, you know, how we can access the kingdom. And yeah, I think you are talking about that kingdom of heaven within us. Kingdom of heaven is within. And, uh, I'll tell you, there were so many parallels between, uh, you know, our traditional Christian teachings and the teachings of the East. Um, and, you know, my purpose with the book was to, to just try, try to draw as much congruence as we can so we could do bridge that grap, uh, gap excuse me, and know that, um, you know, that that fundamental and underlying truths reside in uh, many of the wisdom traditions because there's so many paths to... God and so many ways to get in touch, uh, you know, with the divine presence. Um, but, you know, to know that the kingdom of heaven is within is a huge concept for people because in a lot of traditions uh, we're taught that, you know, divinity is something that's unachievable. It's something that is outside of yourself. It isn't something that we would find within, which is not a very empowering thought. Mm-hmm. And once we realize that we are each individualized sparks of divine creation, <clears throat> you know, I think people can can understand that they have so much potential because life becomes, uh, you know, in a new viewpoint, completely unlimited. And I always uh, tell people that uh, when they're trying to conceive of this idea of how big they really are inside when they connect with this idea of being one with everything and everybody. You know, we're taught that God is omnipotent and omnipresent and that uh, we are so much part of something that's bigger than us and, and a presence that's so extensive that is infinite. Well, if if that idea encompasses everything, in other words, if the presence is all that is, then you can never be outside of it because it would be impossible to be anywhere else. Mm-hmm. So once we begin to connect with some of these higher ideas and, you know, maybe not get so hung up on the verbiage, but just the concept of the being part of something that is completely unlimited and knowing that we can never be outside of it in any way gives us a sense of peace and empowerment uh, that applies to pretty much every corner of our lives. Yeah, absolutely. I so agree with that. And in that same vein, one of the things you say, you talk about being birthed from within. Mm-hmm. And, you, and and there's a quote, a sentence here that says, we don't have to become somebody because we always were that source from which we came. And I, I really so agree with that. And I, I wanted to see if you would just talk about that some more because there's so much out there right now, new age, new thought, that's telling us that we really need to strive to become better people. We need to, you know tromp into the shadow and make it better and we need to get rid of ego and we need to do all these things that are supposed to make us better people, improve us. 
But you say something very different, so I want to hear something about that. Well, I think two words just popped out. One was uh, ego that you said and authenticity, so I think I'll speak to both of those points. Okay. When I was in India and was learning uh, some of these teachings from the dasas, who are actually a dasa is just a monk or a holy person that studies under somebody else, I mean like a disciple, that would be a congruent term maybe that we would use, um, had a lot of uh, things to say they did about the ego. And the ego is basically a sense of the separate self. And, uh, you know, some of the new age and new, I would basically categorize, because I consider new age and new thought to be very, very different. Uh, and Because Emmett Fox, for example, was a new thought minister who was um, very in tune with both the teachings of Jesus and a lot of the metaphysical things. So that the new age camp talks about the ego sometimes and makes it, I think, a little bit difficult. When they say that, we have to drill that out of ourselves. You know, we can't have any ego. We can't have a sense of separateness. We can't have, um, you know, a separate identity at all. And quite frankly, that's impossible, the mm-hmm. monks teach us in India, because we are, in fact, in a separate body. We have uh, some content of our mind that is unique and individual to us. And uh, if we were not separate, we couldn't really function as human beings. I mean, we are in a body and we are experiencing life like little data gatherers from God. And in other words, we're, we are experiencing what is in front of us <clears throat> because we are the eyes of God. I mean, intellect cannot experience anything. And that's one of the most beautiful things about being a human being, right? So the ego is so vitally important, but we don't want to drill that out of ourselves. It's impossible. What we want to do is be friends with it. And I wrote a whole chapter uh, or two about that and how we could probably recategorize our attitudes and our thoughts about the ego. You know, obviously, you know people in your life who have let their ego run crazy wild. They're completely separate from everyone. You know, they're obsessed with... um, what they have. They are not thinking from the heart. You know, they may not have a level of awareness that um, defines themselves as a universal human being. They've bought so much into their separate nature and not their unity, which is our real nature, that their whole lives become a series of experiences or exercises meant to measure uh, their importance or their money or their career or their personal appearance against everyone else. And people who are ego-driven spend a whole lot of time championing their own individual causes and comparing their philosophies and religions and success, and then they begin to fret over who's right and who's not doing it right, who's on the right side of God, and it's it's absurd. So uh, for us to release a certain part of that, I think, is, is necessary because we we still have to maintain our sense of separateness, but we can also put ourselves under this giant umbrella that there's a unity that binds us at a fundamental level. And then once we accept that simple idea, we're not going to be so concerned about who has the bigger house and car or keeping up with the neighbors. 
So right. we, we have to recognize that the ego does serve a purpose, but we just can't let it get crazy. We have to make friends with it. You know, we need to feed it once in a while. <laughs> you right. know, go go do something that makes yourself feel really good and positive and important. You know, we just don't want to hurt anybody, but at the same time, we don't want to forget that we are part of this universal self and, and associate ourselves with this God self and to really fill ourselves up with it. And that's okay. how we live a life of purpose. All right. Well, we're going to take a break now, and we'll be back in just a minute with more from Charlene Proctor about the Oneness Gospel. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Are you tired of the government squandering your tax dollars on bailouts and overpaid bureaucrats? On Free Markets with Dr. Mike Beitler, Mike Beitler and his guests explain why big government regulations are the problem and innovative businesses and free markets are the solution. Listen to Free Markets with Dr. Mike Beitler, Thursday mornings at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Business Network. Being here with Ariel and Shia Kane is an ordinary person's guide to modern-day enlightenment. This show is an exciting exploration which opens the door to living in the moment. Don't miss being here. Tune in every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 noon Eastern with Ariel and Shia Kane right here on the 7th Wave Network. The Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Be extraordinary. Be the change. You're listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free, 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. 472-5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthewslpc.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. And the Authentic Living Show is sponsored by the Institute of Noetic Sciences, which is dedicated to expanding science beyond conventional paradigms. Founded by Apollo 14 astronaut Edgar, Edgar Mitchell, IONS is a nonprofit research, education, and membership organization whose mission is supporting individual and collective transformation through consciousness research, educational outreach, and engaging in a global learning community in the realization of human potential. You can join that learning community at www.noetic.org. And today we're talking with Charlene Proctor, Ph.D., about the book The Oneness Gospel, Birthing the Christ Consciousness and Divine Human in You. And that is so rich uh, because that is exactly what we talk a lot about here on the Authentic Living Show. And, and this particular book is so clarifying with regard to that particular message. So I want to ask you, uh, you talked a lot about the ego and how we can be separate from, or we can see ourselves as separate from the divine. And, and you talk in the book about uh, Yogananda Parmans, I can't say his last name correctly, but... Uh, Yogananda, uh, well, Yogananda Paramahansa. 
Paramahansa. <laughs> okay, Paramahansa. <laughs> yes, it is. And, uh, yeah, he, he, uh, he talks about realization as opposed to becoming. And, and I think that's, mm. that's part of what you were getting at there. Is that correct? Do I have that right? Uh, to, to, to be instead of become, maybe, yes. was kind of my yes. takeaway on that, which makes a whole lot of sense to people because we always were that. You know, and, and many of the great Indian masters as well as uh, other spiritual masters around the planet have told us that everything we have is within us. And there's nothing to become but just to be. And that's to be a, a, a realized being. Actually, his organization, I believe, is called the Self-Realization Fellowship. Isn't that cool? I just thought of that. Yes. yes. Um, and their yes. whole purpose is to work with people to get them to realize that uh, they are... Ab- Absolutely, their God self, and that Christ consciousness is just a form of awareness. It's just a higher level of awareness. It's not some mystical, enlightened state where we're wandering around with big, wide eyes, bumping into the trees and going, "Oh, I love you," and uh, we're not going to be productive today. You know, there's a, there's a practicality, <laughs> and and I believe that people can be awakened, which is happening more and more, and I think in our our world today, and live normal lives. But to be aware of that at a higher level of awareness which is knowing where the self ends and, and the all begins. And this is one of the teachings of uh, Yogananda, and I would encourage anyone who has the time to go back and read some of his stuff. It's, it's very dense, um, but if you take it a little bit at a time, it's amazing teachings in there. And uh, he was an East-West guy to the nth degree. He taught so much from um, the Bible from a metaphysical standpoint, but also integrated, um, you know, the Eastern teachings. And what he taught was that every person has this potential to express the perfection of Christ by being more Christ-like in everyday uh, life. And as I said earlier, Christ consciousness is, is just a state of being. It's a state of being. Being. It's God fully reflected in human. So uh, the great masters, like Yogananda, was uh, in a perpetual state of oneness with the divine. And, and, and you know, the, the greatest spiritual masters on the planet were spending a whole lot of time in that state. And for the rest of us, maybe we can achieve that. Maybe we can briefly experience it, and, and many people are beginning to, um, which is, is, you know, very, very exciting. We're learning how to, how to bring out that realized self, that God self within, and sit with it and resonate with it, if you will. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's happening a lot. Uh, Thank you for answering that question and for help teaching me how to say his name. <laughs> um, I want to talk about Diksha. What does that word mean? I'm not sure that all of our listening audience knows what that is. What is well, diksha? it's a, it, to me it just means the blessing. It's a, it's a form of an energetic transfer um, that a person gives another person, which initiates a journey into a higher state of conscious awareness. Um, so I would just, it's a blessing. It's a hands-on blessing. And uh, when I was in, in the States, before I went over to India, there were many groups that were working this, with this, but only under the, I hate to say jurisdiction, but that's the word that comes to mind, 
the tutelage rather of somebody who knew you know knew what they were doing and understood that it's a transfer of grace um, and grace really is just the holy presence it's an experience and it allows you to be connected to the source so the diksha or this blessing which is done you know with the person's hands usually on their on the top of their head um, gives a person uh gives a person very uh, a lot of clarity because when i when i give the blessing or i receive the blessing the experiences are very similar people are more open to love they they feel more joyful they sleep better they feel more peace in their lives and so um the technical way actually that that's done is what what they're saying is that the energy comes through the hands and they're activating the areas of the frontal lobes in the brain while um, other parts of the brain of the parietal lobe get deactivated. So scientifically what you're doing is you're calming down the chatter of the mind and inviting this more peaceful feeling and it changes a person's perception of reality. And many people in the East call that the enlightened state. I would say my experience is giving the blessing is that people get up in the morning and call me and say, I have never slept better in my life. I feel so peaceful. I feel more intuitive. Um, they've been able to release a lot of emotional charges uh, in their bodies, which is just old drama or trauma that's been residing there for a while. And um, so there's a lot of people that are giving Diksha now. I think, as I said before, and I'm going to emphasize this, is that it should be somebody who actually knows what they're doing mm-hmm. because my personal take on it is that whatever energy that you are projecting, whether it's just sitting on the couch and thinking thoughts that reach across the globe or putting your hands on somebody's head, you have to be a very, very, very clean channel for that to be done properly because our energy is exchanged between you and me and the person that's a dry cleaner and and everyone that our lives touch. So um, I think it's important to have somebody who's trained to do it and I would encourage people to seek it. There's plenty of Diksha givers around the planet, um, but it's an interfaith thing. It's not meant to be a religious gift at all. Yeah, and that's one of the things. I th- thank you. That that's a real clear definition. One of the best definitions I've ever heard, actually. Um, that uh, I think that there are so many of us out there talking about um, spirituality and what it means to be a spiritual person and what oneness is and how we bless each other and how we interchange with each other. And that brings up the idea of when we talk on, you know, I get involved in a lot of these conversations online through LinkedIn and Facebook and things like that that are discussions. And and it's it's when, when we want to talk about interfaith, which is something your book so richly um, uh, conveys, uh it's it's very hard to somehow convey that your attitude is one of of, of you know a respect for anybody's journey and um, but very often we get back the fear response which is has to do with uh, you know well you don't believe what I believe so therefore there, you you must be doing something wrong and you know it's frightening and all that so do you have a recommendation about how we can have some of these conversations with others who may or may not agree with what we're thinking and you know not that we're, it's our job to teach them but mm. rather just to talk 
I think that uh, everybody needs to adopt the philosophy with this particular idea that Bhagwan was teaching all of us in India. And you know what he said? He made it real, real simple. He said, there's 7 billion people on the planet and there's 7 billion versions or images of the divine. Absolutely. And I mean, that was so simple, but it really stuck with me because it was such like Midwestern practicality. God is like a huge TV network, and I have a very hard time believing that he would only create one spin-off series. I mean, the divine presence, the all, is so amazing and magnificently diverse. And there is no way, in my opinion, that we could all be looking at our own spiritual journeys, our own personal transformations, our own evolutions that we have to go through in this uh, particular incarnation, and all be on the same page. It's, it's virtually impossible. It will never happen. We have too many cultures and ideas, and, and, uh, and uh, if we were all thinking the same way, life would be awfully boring. Yeah. And I think exactly. people are just not, are, are not very practical about it i mean this this leads you back to the whole thing we talked about about the ego about the sense of separateness where some person has to be right and another person has to be wrong we're all on a spiritual journey i mean really the spirituality or the interfaith idea is is a personal search for the meaning of life related to some transcendent power that everybody defines in their own manner and I think practice is much more important than defending any specific beliefs as representing the truth. So we have to be more patient with each other. We have to really reach out and look for the congruency. I mean, obviously there are some uh, wisdom traditions out there that I wouldn't even call very wise because they're all caught up in cultural conditioning and there's a big part of it that they want to hurt another human being. There's no joy in that, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, I think a lot of it is conditioning from culture. And so with that being said, I think that uh, those parts of wisdom traditions are not interested in any type of interfaith perspective. Um, You know, they're interested in power and a whole variety of other issues that we can't possibly understand. But if you honestly look at some of the truths, the really basic fundamental truths in parts of those wisdom traditions, you're still going to see the same stuff that we're seeing in new thought and Christianity and and, uh, everything. Yeah. So, I mean, I think you would agree with me by saying patience and a broad perspective is the way we need to approach things and to just think a little bit and be and be practical about it. Um, um, it's it's getting to be more necessary as we go along in life and as we evolve ourselves technologically because we have so much capability of destroying each other with just a button. So mm. patience, yes. Yes, in a absolutely. larger perspective, that's my answer. <laughs> yeah, and I think I think that's so right, uh, and I, and I do think we are even with that perspective. We walk into a room of conversationalists online, and and even have that broad perspective, and sometimes we still get the you know I'm right and you're wrong kind of coming back to you. But you're right. I, I think the thing you said in there that I'm resonating really well with is that it that you. you 
you know, you find the commonalities. You look for and find the commonalities rather than arguing or defending. You find what's in common. So that's that's a really good thread, and I think that's what Interfaith has done worldwide in, in lots of the meetings that uh, – uh, very practical meetings that people have had that have to do with how to how to change politics and economics and all kinds of things based on interfaith dynamics. So I think that's a very rich perspective. If so we each, to, if we each of us see ourselves, let me as a, let me close out for right okay. now. We're going to close out for right now, and we'll come back right okay. after the break with more from Charlene Proctor. Stay tuned. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Frankly Speaking About Cancer is a program designed to empower survivors and their caregivers to deal with the social and emotional challenges of cancer. Drawing on resources from wellness communities throughout America and abroad, the show will invite physicians, researchers, nurses, social workers, patients, and caregivers to share their advice on how to live a better life with cancer. Join host Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Wellness Community, Tuesday afternoons at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and wellness network are you feeling slammed and suckered in today's stock market if so then you need to tune in to profitable investing with jordan kimmel every thursday at 8 a.m pacific time jordan kimmel will train you in what you can do to beat up the big boys on wall street as well as share his secrets to success so that you can buy and sell like a profit pumping pro grab the bull market by the horns and listen to profitable investing with jordan kimmel Every Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, right here on the bottom line of business talk, Voice America Business. Be visionary. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free, 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthewslpc.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. And we are having an excellent conversation today with Dr. Charlene Proctor, author of The Oneness Gospel, Birthing the Christ Consciousness and Divine Human in You. And uh, we've talked a lot about uh, what the separate idea, the idea of separatism is, duality, consciousness, that kind of stuff. We've talked about what it is, to, uh, what the word diksha means. We've talked about um, what how how we are one and what the kingdom of heaven within us means. And now I want to sort of transition a little bit to the external and talk about uh, something you said in the book about politics and media. You said that they helped us stay in the duality thinking mode. Can you tell me what you mean by that? I do. I think that uh, given my viewpoint, and I don't want to go on record by criticizing the media because that's what we're doing right now. And uh, (laughs) if it weren't for all of this, we wouldn't be able to communicate and get the word out about the things that matter in life. But uh, a lot of this 
stuff in the media is just meant to generate more suffering and more fear and more of an idea of um, uh, focusing on polarizing debates. And I know that that's a very important part of American culture, but it's gone to the nth degree such that even, even our comfort level in churches in synagogues and other areas where we worship is compromised because they're looking at these places as voting blocks and uh, part of constituencies for political reasons. Um, I had a friend who is a practicing Catholic, and he was very offended. He told me last year or the year before when he went into his church, and in the lobby there was a sign there that said, well, if you believe in certain things, um, and that these were of political origin, that you really weren't welcome to worship there. And I thought, that is just unbelievable. Um, by the same token, uh, I was in a, in a Unitarian church uh, last year, and when I was there, they handed me a pamphlet that uh, explained why Unitarians have to be liberals and Democrats. And I looked at that with a very broad perspective, and I thought, okay, well, I'm trying to understand what the church leader was thinking when they put this thing together. But my point with with both of these stories is that the churches seem to be coming more than just places where we go to meditate and to connect with the presence rather than, um, you know, showing up and becoming part of something bigger like a political campaign. And that really troubles me. I think that, um, yeah, we need to develop ideas together as a people, and, and that's part, part, very important part of the system. And I'm proud to be in America where, and happy where I can experience such freedom to express my opinions. But it's just gotten way over the top. I mean, let's let's keep our places of worship places where people from everywhere can go. And, you know, I want to feel as welcome going to a kirtan, uh, which is an Indian chanting session with music and prayer, as I would going to a, a, a midnight mass on Christmas Eve. I mean, that's the way we're going to be extending ourselves and reaching out is to spend time with people of all faiths and hearing these messages over and over again and to stop focusing on our differences and, uh, you know, and instead look for congruencies. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's well said. It reminds me of the uh, pastor in North Carolina recently who uh, there was a big online furor about the fact that he had said that all gays and lesbians and transsexual people needed to be boxed up in a fence and their food dropped into him from a helicopter and he <laughs> His idea was that we should that 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 gays and lesbians and transsexual people and bisexuals should all be that would just change the whole world and that that there would no be no more of those kind of people because well, they how, what an enlightened thing to say as a spiritual leader <laughs> absolutely absolutely and I was just profoundly amazed at how how much that w- w- came from such hatred so yeah there's a lot of that out there now and there and it's yes you're right on the in the media as well and and that polarization i don't know where that's going to take us ultimately but i mean i don't think it's going to take us to doom because i don't think there is any such thing but Mm-mm. i i do think that <coughs> there you know where there's some gift in this too and i don't know what it is but we'll see 
Um, yeah, so, okay, now let's go back to the internal again. That external stuff is kind of painful to talk about sometimes, so let's go back to the internal again. You talk in your book, as a matter of fact, you have a segment of the book called, uh, talking about being birthed from within, and I want to, I want to ask you about that. What's that really like? What does it mean to be birthed from within? Well, you can look, you can, uh, I could look at that in two ways, and the first is, as I, um, talked about earlier, is a higher level of conscious awareness. Um, to be consciously aware that that you're rising through life for your own, from your own effort and self-reflection, that you love God supremely, that you see God in everyone, and that you're optimistic. And, uh, you know, enlightenment, I want to say, is not the end of the road. It's simply waking up. It's it's shifting from living from the mind and, and instead thinking from the heart. And you're disengaging, if you will, from the mind. When we mean by that is they're not stumbling around um, without thinking about anything. Or, or you're, what we're doing is disengaging from old emotions and habits and assumptions and uh, traumas and conditioning and living life through all these masks that we've constructed in order to survive. And that's the transformation to an enlightened state. That, when we can shed that stuff and look at our suffering and look at all of those things that have created those filters that we're seeing life through and be able to look at those pieces and accept them and learn from them, yet move through all of that, we are awakening and we are able to engage in life in such a fuller, richer, and joyful way. That's when we begin to live authentic lives. Um, uh, what was your question again? Yeah, you said it. You did. It was what it was like to be birthed from within. Oh, yes. oh that was my that. first thought on it. And the, the other one was to experience um, uh, being birthed from within or an enlightened state is a pretty powerful thing. Because the first time I went to Fiji to do some of this work, uh, I really didn't expect anything. I had no expectation whatsoever. I didn't go there thinking, oh, I'm going to levitate in a lotus position three feet off the floor or, you know, have some mind-boggling dreams and psychic experiences or whatever. I just kind of showed up. Um, but I showed up with suffering, and which is pretty much what everybody else does when they go to these sorts of programs because we're trying to figure out two things, you know, how do you get rid of your suffering and, number two, how to manifest a better reality and how do we do that. Well, they don't really talk about that. They go to some of the deeper principles of things, which is obviously reflected in this book I wrote. But to be birthed from within in a mystical uh experiences is hugely powerful because when I entered a state of connectivity and oneness with the presence, it was so consuming that I felt like I was part of the ocean. I was actually sitting and vibrating at such a high frequency that the people around me could feel this energy coming off of me in waves. And it was so powerful to be shown a state like that and to be in a state of oneness, albeit a short time, you know, a couple hours. Um, but it's a very, very powerful experience because you feel like you're being cleaned from the inside out and there's so much beauty in it. Um, 
you couldn't really maintain a state like that. Actually, I don't know if you're familiar with Russell Paul's work, are you? He wrote yeah, a little the, bit. Um, yeah. the Yoga of Jesus, I think he wrote. A fantastic teacher, a wonderful musician, and a great spiritual teacher. And uh, he talked in this book about how he used to enter these mystical states and how impossible it was for him after a certain time to maintain it because it was so... Uh, draining on the body and um, energetically consuming, um, and he and he couldn't maintain it for long periods of time. Which I think actually is kind of interesting concept because if if you think about the spiritual masters we've had that have walked this planet, you know they had to spend time out of their mystical states of connectivity with the presence. They weren't there all the time. I mean they spent a great deal of time within those states. Um, but they still had to interface with the rest of humanity and with the everyday tasks that they had to do to be a human being. So to be birthed from within energetically is, is uh, I think, an experience that, was, anyway, for me, was meant to show me that there is a presence and there is a God, and this presence is working for us constantly the minute we need or want something in the minute that thought goes out there's like a little rubik's cube that is uh intricately turning and making these things happen for us because we are in a co-creative relationship with this presence we don't live life by ourselves we are consciously co-creating with the presence at any given moment um so anyway, I wrote a little bit about that experience in the book, and I hope readers will enjoy it. Um, so yeah, it was a, it was a neat experience, the birthing yeah. part. <laughs> yes, the birthing, yes, like I and said, the... is also about shedding your suffering. Yes, absolutely, and, and you know we want to spend some time after this break talking about that shedding your suffering a little bit. I think that's a, a really important place probably to leave off, um, and and we don't have but just about you know thirty seconds before the break. But I want to say this: I, I, what you're describing sounds like the same at least terminology that was used when people talk about being born again in the mm-hmm. Christian sense. And there's that connection, the bridge mm-hmm. between the two faiths that you were talking about earlier, a place where we can connect, because that also is considered to be quite a powerful emotional as well as um, depth experience that sort of puts people in touch and makes them feel cleansed and freer and more alive. And, of course, there's some duality thinking that might come along with any of that, any of those that we we have to engage in, but uh, that process is one in which we are, we become who we actually are, I think, mm. and so, yeah. All right, well, we'll let's take a break, and we'll come back in just a few minutes with more from Charlene Proctor on the Oneness Gospel. The 7th Wave Channel on the Voice America Network. The Mayan calendar tells us that we will be entering into a 260-day opportunity for us to engage in conscious co-creation with Great Spirit. How will we prepare ourselves for this exciting and unprecedented time in Earth's history? 
Peter Tong has dedicated over 20 years of his life's work to exploring that which is beyond understanding. Peter will help increase your awareness and education on this enlightening transformation in consciousness. Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation airs live Wednesdays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on 7th Wave Network. Ask Theo Live is talk radio like you've never heard before. Following her near-death experience, world-renowned author and spiritual medium Sheila Gillette became the direct voice channel for Theo, a consortium of 12 archangels. Through this unique channel, Sheila and her co-host Marcus Gillette present you with an opportunity to speak directly with Theo live on air on any topic you wish to discuss, including receiving authentic messages from deceased loved ones and angelic guides. Get the answer you need by tuning in to Ask Theo Live Talk Radio. Tuesday mornings at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on 7th Wave Network. Invite meaning and inspiration to your life. This is the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. We want to hear from you. If you have a question or comment about today's show, call in now, toll free, 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthewslpc.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. And we're back, sad but true, with the final segment uh, with Charlene Proctor. We could talk for a long time with her if, if we uh, had more time, but we don't. So I want to uh, let you, the listening audience learn more about how they might connect with you and what events you might have coming up, your website, that kind of thing. So if you'll just share that for a few minutes, I'd appreciate it. I would love them to go to our uh, main webpage, which is charleneproctor.com. They'll find all of my books there. They can purchase books and view some of these wonderful TV shows that we did for Comcast this year called Your Journey to Joy, which are little lessons, actually, from the Oneness Gospel, and they're absolutely beautifully produced. I would love to have people visit those pages and watch those um, so they can get a little uh, idea of some of the lessons that are in the Oneness Gospel. You can also search the onenessgospel.com which will be another page that's connected to our homepage that talks about the book. We're available on Amazon and, and every type of ebook format you could possibly imagine. Um, and uh, so we encourage people to connect with us. And if all else fails, just shoot us an email at TGN, that stands for The Goddess Network, TGN at CharleneProctor.com, and uh, we'll help you out. All right. Well, I hope that the listening audience will take advantage of that information. And uh, so I want to talk a little bit before we go today about a concept that I know that a lot of people who are ta- thinking about oneness and what it really means are concerned about, and that's the concept of suffering. And the East and West have different views of suffering. So uh, how can we come to a clear version of what suffering really is, and is there anything we can do about it? Well, oneness is being completely aware of God within yourself. And I love being able to say that, considering we started off our talk with the kingdom within. But that the oneness is being completely aware of God within yourself. It's so simple. And a lot of our suffering is our belief in separation. Um, 
separation from the good or from God or consciousness. And uh, the the East uh, or the India East that I study with feels that part of the Western Western approach to suffering uh, is that we are really not fully living this oneness or this connection or, or, or being full of ourselves. Uh, when we don't live to the present moment and feel the pain of it, if there is pain, and then thoroughly embrace us, embrace it. And uh, the East is teaching us that we in the West are experts at suffering management. We don't want to look at our suffering. We don't want to go back and experience our emotional trauma, which, as you know, um, takes a physical toll on a human being, and we carry all that in our energy layers or our koshas in our bodies, and it perpetuates disease, and it clouds our viewpoint about what we're doing, and it becomes a lot of lenses that we're viewing life through, so we can't be fully present. And we in the West don't want to deal with any of that. We are experts at suffering management. Uh, we stuff it, we go to therapy, we drink, we eat. We run away, we'll watch more TV, we'll internet shop, you know, we'll, we'll look for love in the wrong places or get mad at our families or complain or whatever. And we don't want to face our suffering head on. And nobody wants to do it. We don't want the suffering to allow, we don't want it to fill us and feel it and stay with it and, until it passes. And we don't want to take a look at it. Um, and we think the way to deal with suffering is to contain it and to management it, to, to manage it. And that's not the key to living in joy and to fully experiencing life. So we have to push through um, our our suffering. And uh, and you know, I, I think that sometimes we need processes that help us. And certainly, the ones that I went through uh, that helped me write the Oneness Gospel were part of it. Um, but we have to remember that we're designed as human beings to release our suffering and all of these emotional charges. I mean, if we weren't designed to move through our suffering, the human race would have ended millions of years ago. We're, yeah. we're physically capable of doing it. Um, but we have to be willing to release the past and choose the present moment for that. And that takes a little discipline and prayer and meditation and maybe some diksha or however people have to find that. Um, uh, and further, I would say, since we are talking about oneness, that we have to practice seeing ourselves as beloved aspects of creation. And the more we do that and the more we embrace our true selves, which is spirit and this divine unitive substance we've been talking about, we're going to have that assistance in moving through our suffering. It's going to help us um, cruise through it a lot easier. You know, there's a, a thing that just came to mind, but when I uh, were, were teaching chanting in uh, some of these concepts and workshops a couple years ago, I used to teach this, ch- this chant called Ung So Hung, and it's a really beautiful song, and it's a very sing-songy type of a prayer. And what it means is, I am the divine in every cell of my being. I am the divine in every cell of my being. So just like affirmative thinking or prayer or anything that's repetition, the more that we chant and we say these things kind of gets in us and we're acknowledging these powerful thoughts and being able to resonate them, right? And we're raising our vibrations. So what we're doing is that 
instead of focusing on getting stuck in our suffering, what we're doing is that we're acknowledging that we cannot be anywhere outside of the divine presence because we're in it and it's in us and it's as us and it's through us always, right? So, um, you know, we're always going to have suffering. We're always going to have fear and negative emotions and we'll be positional and we'll have anger. That's part of being a human being. Um, but the key to not being in suffering is to move through those states efficiently and quickly. Um, and that's what I think uh, 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 the perspective on oneness teaches us, is to first of all recognize when we are suffering and be willing to let it go. Yeah. Yeah, and to realize that you're coming at your suffering from the divine rather than coming at your suffering from that lost place of separation mm. makes, a, makes a huge difference in how you perceive your suffering, does it not? Yep, and I'll tell you, um, we're always getting little tune-ups in the process. And I, like I said earlier, am not exempt. You know, relationships are so challenging, and we are meant to deploy these ideas and practice we can read this stuff and, and lecture people and, and talk about it all day long, but we cannot insulate ourselves from actually practicing it. To practice the presence of the divine and to put these energies and ideas and, and thoughts to work in our own lives first helps us become closer to the presence. And we can't really practice that unless we're given a set of circumstances that are hugely challenging. I mean, this is like part of the exam process, I guess, if you will. Um, So no one is exempt, and it's very easy to wallow in our suffering. I mean, it's so easy to do that because it hurts so much. I mean, it feels like, especially for emotional stuff, feels like somebody shot a hole in the middle of your chest and, and... you know, but we can acknowledge that and we can rely upon the bigger, greater good to help us and know that we are never alone and to harmonize with those thoughts as much as possible. That's what helps us. Absolutely. Thank you. That's a perfect note to end our our talk on today. That is beautiful. Beautifully said. We actually can walk through some of that and get to the other side. So next week, we're going to be talking to Linda Howe about the Akashic Records. You're going to want to stay there for that. And uh, thank you so much, Charlene, for being on our show today. I really appreciate you coming and appreciate the writing of this book. You're very welcome. Thanks for having me. All right. And uh, so remember, should you your job, should you choose to accept it, is to give birth to yourself. Thanks again for listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Join us again next Wednesday afternoon at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern Time here on the 7th Wave Network. We'll talk again next week.